Welcome to The Waggle, the official podcast of the Canadian Football League. That's right. Welcome to another edition of The Waggle podcast brought to you by us here at the CFL and CFL.ca and myself, Donovan Bennett. And I hope you had yourself a great week of watching football, of consuming it because it was a great week. We have another Banner week on the schedule. Another four-game week for you. BC goes to Hamilton. Saskatchewan goes to Edmonton, where Edmonton has yet to win at home this year. Will they end that streak? Toronto goes to Ottawa, where they're 10.5-point favorites to the Battle of Ontario. And the week ends with two teams on the rise. Montreal going to Winnipeg as their dream season continues. Speaking of Montreal, they've got the toughest remaining schedule in the league they got to play winnipeg twice before the end of the season their four game winning streak was snapped last week they look to get back on the right track and william standback their tailback has pretty much been a train on a track you can't bring him down alone have to gang tackle him well we somehow have been able to slow him down he is on the podcast this week it's not going to be the last that you hear from him i have a sneaky suspicion He's going to be representing the East Grey Cup week uh, as a a potential award winner. He's more interested in getting to the Grey Cup with his team. So we're going to talk to him about that and more. But first, we're going to talk to Patrick Steinberg because who do you think at this juncture has the best shot of making it to the Grey Cup? Yes, obviously Winnipeg is by far and away the best team. But are there a couple other teams who have built a resume to say they could beat Winnipeg in a one-game scenario? Patrick Steinberg next on the Waggle to go cover three around the league. You know we're close to the 108th Great Cup. When you get the Great Cup playoff scenario emails in your inbox to start the week, We always want to break down every week with you, Pat, as we cover three across the league. And why don't we start with Hamilton and the chances that maybe, like the Buccaneers did in the Super Bowl a year ago, uh, they're hosting and in a championship game. I I think maybe the hottest player in the league right now might be Jeremiah Masoli. Comes off, you know, throwing for 357 and three TDs. Three TDs in the first half, mind you. That's his third 300-yard game in a row. If he is playing so well, what's the ceiling for for this team? Are they, in your mind, peaking at the right time? That's one of the big things I'm wondering about right now, DJ, is just this was the team that was the class of the 2019 season. It wasn't close. And I know that Winnipeg's the defending Grey Cup champion and they beat Hamilton in the Grey Cup. I, I, I know that, but... Last year, 2019, that was Hamilton's league from start to finish. They set a franchise record for wins. They were the best team in the league, wire to wire. They had all-stars across the board. And to see them, and, and I do know that these last two wins have been against the two teams that sit at the bottom of the league in Edmonton and Ottawa. I'm aware of that, but you know, even take a look at the two games they played before they went into their most recent bye against Toronto and Montreal. They were really close, and they lost those games, but both by one possession, both by uh, three points or less. And so 
you really started to get the feeling that maybe Hamilton was starting to round into form. And this team is not all that different looking than the group that was the best team in the CFL in 2019. And I know that Dane Evans is got hurt there for a little bit. And before that, Jeremiah had gotten hurt. But the way Mazzoli is playing right now, you mentioned it, three straight games of 300 yards or more. And he is not throwing an interception during that stretch. He looks like the guy that for the first half of 2019 and going back to 2018 was in the MOP contest. Conversation. He's spreading the ball around to a, a really nice array of receivers. You know, we don't know what Braylon Addison's situation is going to be long term. We still haven't seen Brandon Banks have that explosive stretch, which I still think he's got the capability of doing. And then when you're talking about that defensive line, when anchored by Dylan Wynn, and you've got those two defensive ends and Simone Lawrence at linebacker and all those ball hawks in the secondary. I, I really think that if Hamilton is peaking at the right time, they're as dangerous as anybody going in to the CFL postseason. And the way they're playing right now, you can make a, a really strong argument that they are indeed peaking at the right time. Yeah, we have a real shot at seeing a Grey Cup rematch, which I don't know if I would have said maybe two months ago, but I, I feel pretty confident in saying that it's in play now. And I think the constant in that is we've always thought Winnipeg has a real good shot at being back at that in that game again. And coming into the year, I don't know if I had to choose which two teams from the Grey Cup in 2019 would get back there. I, I would have said Hamilton, certainly uh, not Winnipeg. Are we giving them enough credit for not only the job they've done and, and the level they've played at consistently throughout the year, but also they've found a way to do it without Andrew Harris for multiple stretches. He's now on the six-game injury list with a knee injury. He already missed three games with a calf injury. To be expected at 34 years old, but he was the best player on the team, uh, offensively anyways, coming in uh, to the year. Are, are we giving the job that... O'Shea and Kyle Walters is doing with that group in Winnipeg enough love? I don't know if we are, and that's kind of them being a victim of their own success right now because they have been so dominant. Nobody has – you take a look at this eight-game win streak. Nobody has touched them. I, I, the, the first game they won was that two-point win over Calgary, and since that time, I mean, they have been dominant, and, and nobody's really come close. They swept that two-game set with Saskatchewan, and that was very convincing. Then you take a look at these games they've played of late, and whether it's Edmonton or BC, they're putting up 30-plus points, and, like, they have got significant bodies that you could put in the conversation for – all kinds of major CFL awards. Like we're talking about, uh, we're talking about Zach Caleros or Willie Jefferson for most outstanding player, or uh, Adam Big Hill or Jefferson. You could probably throw Jack. Co uh, you could probably throw uh, Jeff Coat into the conversation about most outstanding defensive player. And Mike O'Shea is probably your leading candidate for 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 coach of the year. And and I think because they've been so dominant, they kind of get lost in the shuffle because. They're not playing for anything. They're, they're, they're lost in the shuffle in a good way, whereas you've got Calgary and Sask and BC and Hamilton and Montreal and Toronto all kind of duking it out, trying to figure out where they're going to finish and who's going to make the playoffs and who's going to host playoff games. Winnipeg knows that they've got the regular season to play out. Winnipeg knows they're playing on December 5th in the Western Final. So for the longest time, it's just kind of been like shrug your shoulders, same old bombers just doing what they're doing. But... I think what this team is doing needs to 
can be underlined a little bit more with just how how few points they've given up during this. They're under 90 points in this win streak that they're on right now, and they're uh, they're they're like tripling up their opposition in terms of points for points against, and uh, the the individual performances that we're talking about. They bring back Winston Rose, the rich get richer. So. I just I think it's important as, as they're coming off a bye and getting ready to go into their stretch drive, prepare themselves now for the postseason and, and hosting that West Division final. I just I thought it was pretty important to give this group a tip of the hat because they have been they have been incredible from kickoff this season. They certainly have. Let's before we leave, go across the league and scan who on any given day might be able to push them. Naturally, you look at the two teams uh, that are 6-3. and three. You know, Toronto, easiest remaining strength of schedule uh, in the league. You know, two-thirds of their games uh, remaining are at BMO, where they're 5-0. and oh. So we expect them to finish the regular season strong and, and host a playoff game uh, at BMO. On the flip side, Saskatchewan, we, we talked to Cody Fajardo on this podcast uh, last week. He's really confident about what that team is able to do once they get right. They've now clinched a playoff spot. They're heading to the playoffs for the fourth straight season. And the defense, maybe the only defense close to Winnipeg, might be Saskatchewan, forced five sacks and four turnovers last week. Having said all that, I think the team that if they get everyone right and if they're able to be healthy going in and, and find you know some of that playoff magic that they've had in years past might be Calgary. And I know that seems crazy, and I know they started the year terribly, and I know Bolt has never really looked like the bow that we've seen lead a championship group, but they're getting Roberson on defense. They're getting Bagleton on offense. These are playmakers, game wreckers. Just looking at the depth chart when everyone's there, is Calgary... The scariest team, if you are a, a bomber fan, in terms of where you want to get to in winning a championship. Well, and and they're also the team that gave them. Toronto's the only team that beat them this year, but uh, Calgary's the team that played them the most difficult, uh, and that was in that eighteen sixteen win to kick off this eight game win streak for for Winnipeg. And you know, if if Trey, Trey Roberson looked like he was right back being the same dominant lockdown corner that you could not separate on in the win over Ottawa in this past week. So that that was exactly what the Stampeders were hoping for in Roberson's debut. And Reggie Bagleton, they're bringing back another all-star quality receiver and a guy that was out of his mind in his last CFL year before he went down to Green Bay and joined the Packers for a couple of years. So they brought back two all-stars to that group. One of them looks like the exact same guy he was before he left for the NFL. So I don't know why you wouldn't expect Reggie Bagleton to be the same thing for the Stampeders in his return whenever he gets worked back into the fold. Yeah, I think I think the natural choice would be Saskatchewan because they're the arch rival and they're the number two team in the West Division. And, and obviously Saskatchewan's got to go through Calgary and Calgary's got to go through Saskatchewan, it looks like, to get to the Western Final. And it looks like the Riders are going to host that game. But I would say Calgary's right near the top of the list in terms of how scary they can be because this offensively, they are not what they were. And Bo Levi Mitchell does not look like the guy that he was. 
Kadeem Carey has turned into one of the most important running backs in the CFL uh, and, and specifically most important backs to his team and his scheme. But it's this defense that continues to impress. They have played 12 games and they have yet to allow uh, 23 points or to, uh, yet to allow more than 23 points rather. So that's why I think that they would be the, the scariest part or the, the scariest potential meeting for Winnipeg is because what they've already done in a game against the Bombers that meant something. I know they play again in the final week of the season that'll mean less, especially for Winnipeg, but they've played them tough. They've got a defense that is winning games for Calgary, and that could be a tough matchup for, for the Bombers. So it's going to be one of Saskatchewan or Calgary that they're playing. I think they'll both be difficult outs for Winnipeg. I still think the Bombers will be and should be favored in whatever matchup they've got in the West Division final. But Calgary looks like a team that could be scary heading into the postseason, especially if they uh, work Reggie Bagleton in, in a successful way, the same way they did with Trey Roberson in his first week back. Yeah, it'll be fascinating. We've got some big games left on the schedule. Oddly enough, Calgary and BC are the only teams in purgatory where you know a win this week doesn't get them in. Saskatchewan, Toronto, obviously Winnipeg have already punched their ticket to the playoffs. Uh, Ottawa has already punched their ticket to the offseason. They will not be in the playoffs this year. Edmonton, with a loss, would join them. Uh, Montreal and... Hamilton can punch their ticket with a win. Uh, Calgary still has some work to do, and I'm looking ahead in the schedule. BC, you know, gets Hamilton in Week 14, but that game in Week 15, BC against Calgary, uh, that that could determine who's in the postseason and who isn't. It'll be really, really fun to watch. I will though say, uh, as though we mentioned many uh, championship contenders. Our friends in LaBelle Provence are saying, wait a minute, what about our Montreal Alouettes? Well, we're about to talk to a guy who might take them there on his back alone. He'll, he'll be uh, at Great Cup Week maybe talking about some individual awards. Maybe if he continues to play the way he's playing, uh, he might be talking about some team success as well. William Stambuck up next. But right now, Pat, thank you so much. Can't wait to do this again next week. Thanks, DJ. Good stuff as always, man. Well, Will, first and foremost, thank you for doing this, and congratulations on the year that you've had, but also the fact that you're still standing. It's been a mash unit in terms of tailbacks around the league, in terms of premier players on your team. So before we get into the performance, how are you physically? How is the body holding up in a condensed season, in a season after a long layoff? Um, well, number one, thank you. You know, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. Um, it's, you know, it's a long season and everything. I know it's only 14 games, shortened season and everything, but, you know, it's it's a tough league. You know, anybody looking outside, looking in, they don't really know what it's like being in this league until you step foot on those fields and you know the rules and how big the field is and the end zone and everything. So a lot of things weigh into it. Um, you know, I just try to make sure I take care of my body so I can keep producing at a high level for my team in any kind of way that I can. Um, that's just something that I make sure that I take pride in, just making sure that my legs feel fresh every week. Yeah, I know that I get a lot of, you know, carries and stuff like that in, in each game, but that's the number one thing I do is make sure I get off my feet right after the game because I know I got to be running again and do whatever I can to help my team 
win these games. Well, it's not just a lot of carries. It's a lot of yards. Uh, you are just short of a 1,000, which is a great season. In three-down football, when you're playing 16, now 17 games, you're doing that in in a scenario where offensively, uh, you know, there's one less down than there is in American football, and you've, you're doing that in, in nine games. The yards per carry is 6.3. That's crazy. There's no one really close to you in terms of total rushing, even though you've missed some games. And that yards per carry, although you've, you played more games uh, in 2019, is almost identical to what it was back then. Talk to me about the proficiency you've had running the football, but also the consistency that you've had week to week and now year to year. Um, I think a lot of it, is because I'm running behind the same guys I've kind of been running behind. You know, it's been, you know, some changes and everything, but I still am running behind, like, my guy, like, Sean Jameson, Christian Matt, Tony Washington, those guys, and Gags, he came back from Ottawa and everything. But um, those are the same guys I've been running behind since 2018. And I just felt like we just built so much chemistry throughout the years that we just trust one another. And, like, my offensive line, they'll tell me something. They'll say they'll try to get something open for me, and I could just try to make that cut and get to that particular landmark. I just feel like it's just the chemistry and the camaraderie that we have in our offensive room, just watching film with those guys and just being on the same page for every single play. And I just feel like that's what where our, our success is coming from, the, the time and the work that we put in together. You talk about those cuts. Uh, and often, specifically in the zone read scheme you know it's it's one cut and you got those shoulders going north south and you're going downhill but what i love is when you get to the second level and thankfully because of that offensive line sometimes it's untouched uh at that second level you know you're not just running the ladder trying to break big runs off it's like you're looking for punishment you're making cuts towards people looking to byob bring your own blocker and inflict uh-huh. some pain and you may not see it because you're in the game, but you know, watching, you see the defense get up and get excited. You see the offensive line yeah. get energized. Is that is that something that you are cognizant of doing, or do you just like to hit people? Uh, sometimes I like to start off the game hitting people because I like to punch them in their face before they try to hit me because I know they're going to try to use all their their will to knock me out or take me out the game. So I just try to make sure I attack first and just you know be more aggressive than my opponent. Um, when I get to the second level, I kind of use that. I feel like that's a strategy of mine, you know, making sure that I can hit them first and then have them thinking that I'm going to run into them every time. And then the next play, I run past you or around you. So I feel like I have a lot of things, you know, that I can bring to the table with my caliber of play. Um, but yes, you are right. I do. I do like to like try to lay the wood sometimes, you know, try to make sure I make contact. <laughs> I always been that kind of running back. You know, old school, I guess. And what do you hear from uh, the fellows on the sideline or in the huddle when, when that happens? I mean, I got so many different nicknames and everything that the guys call me. And I can't even keep up with the different names and different things that they call me and stuff like that. Uh, just they they know what, I, what I'm capable of doing. And when I do small things like, you know, running somebody over and falling forward for an extra three, four, five yards, that's what my offense, I mean, that's what my team likes, you know, defense, the fans and everything. And, you know, that's what I try to, you know, show them 
every game, every weekend, because, you know, that's what they come to the games for. And, you know, if I'm someone's favorite running back, that's what they want to see. So I just try to make, the, you know, have fun out there at the same time, but make the fans enjoy the game. And, you know, at the end of the day, try to win also. But, you know, I'm trying to have fun out there also. You mentioned the fans and, you know, the, the program uh, was a winning one for a long time and then it took a dip. And, and certainly, you know, you saw that dip in the energy and excitement around football in the city. But given what you guys did towards the back end of 2019, you know, the vibe was back. Mm-hmm. New ownership group, everyone is excited. And then you have this long layoff. And, and, and now it's almost like you got to restart that. You know, given the, the winning streak that you guys were on before it recently was snapped, it, did you feel you guys got back to, you know, that, that same level of not just play, but same level of energy uh, from the fans and the vibe in the city? Oh, yes. I think we got it back. And I think we found it a little bit late in the season. But I truthfully believe that we are a better team. The outcomes the end of the games may not show that. But if you look at the stats and you really sit and watch the game, it's just like sometimes we're just shooting ourselves in the foot and we're just falling short from these wins. Um, all the, It's a lot of guys that came back from the 2019 team and we pretty much have the same core guys, offense, defense, special teams. It's just a little bit of a different casting crew that has come on board with us and everything. But I feel like we have the same team and we can do the same thing. It's just a matter of us being disciplined. And that's, there's no ands, ifs, or buts about it. It's just us being disciplined. But I do believe that we have it still. Yeah, we do. And we got the fans behind us. We just got to finish. It's simple. We just got to finish. I remember Patrick Level saying early in the year, you know, at a point when, when you guys were struggling, you lost to Hamilton, lost a close one to Calgary. Um, and, and he said, listen, we know we're the best team in the league. We're close. We just need to, to clean a couple things up. And I thought to myself, like, is, is he watching the same tape as, as, as we are? Uh, but, but what did that group know back then that maybe, you know, people uh, like me on the outside didn't really understand? I feel uh I would say probably the connection and the similarities that a lot of these players on this team have. You know, a lot of people come from the same place, like American players. A lot of people come from the same areas, like on the East Coast and everything like that. A lot of us had similar childhoods growing up. Um, and I just feel like we gel so well. You know, this team is a lot different than what it was when I came in in 2018. Um Truthfully, you know, I I felt like a lot of people were just for their for themselves in 2018, and it really wasn't a team. It didn't feel like family. But once the 2019 season came around, I just felt like, wow, you know, this this is like a brotherhood. This is like a real deal family. And I felt like a lot of people don't know that about us. And you know, everyone hangs out too. Like after practice, after work, people go out to eat together all the time. So. The chemistry is constantly building. How much of that camaraderie, that chemistry, that belief comes from Kahari? You know, was that the big turning point in 2019? Oh, yes, I think so. Because, um, you know, even when Coach was the quarterback's coach at first, he was just somebody that you can talk to about anything. And he's a player's coach, 
but just to a certain extent. And everyone respected him before he was even the head coach and everything. Everyone respected him as like, gosh, like, you know, Harvey Jones, like that's that man right there. You know, if you want if you want anybody to give you an answer, you want you want to go to him and everything. And he's somebody that you can ask any question, he pretty much will have the answer for you. And when he became the head coach in nineteen everybody was like on board with it. It was not one person that was like disagreeing with it or that was a little timid about it or it just felt like, all right, this might not be the way to go. Everybody was on board and was ready to play for him. So I felt like him becoming our head coach in 19 was really a big thing for this organization. And it's going to be big things to come in the future as well. You mentioned welcoming new guys into the locker room, into the team. You've had some new guys in the huddle obviously va was down because the the injury you know you know have you know some new guys coming in uh different cadence different styles what has that um been like adapting to different people under center um i feel like you gotta adapt everywhere you go whether it's a new player coming in a new facility you're going to new team um i've seen i play with shills um I've been playing with VA. I've watched Trevor for the past couple of years. Um, it's not really much of a difference, you know, just their physique, their style of play. And the cadence is a little bit different with just the way their voices are. But it's still the same system here in Montreal. So it's not really much of a difference for me or anything like that. It's just learning the tendencies of which quarterback is in, like when it's Schilt's in or if it's Harrison. And you just got to just know what they like. And, you know, you can excel from there. Um, but it's not really much of a difference. There's no difficulties in that area or anything. So, um, yeah, I mean, it is different to have, like, uh, a veteran quarterback that's, you know, established himself in this league. It is pretty cool. Um, you know, and all we can do is continue to learn from him, whatever he brings over here. And learn from that and just get better. Yeah, I, I think uh, one thing that they both love is to be able to reverse pivot or be in the gun and and hand the ball off to you and know that you're going to have some success on offense and move the chains. You know, I, I talked about this um, on the podcast. Your schedule—it's the toughest schedule down the stretch. You know, you, you guys got Winnipeg twice. Uh, and they've been the best team in the league, uh, but a nice uh, you know measuring stick for the team as you aspire to be champions yourselves. Before I let you go, one message to you know those fans in Montreal, the Alouette fans across the country, about why they should make sure they get their great cup tickets now because uh, you, know, you guys are poised to go on a run and be able to be in the last game of the year. You know, what's the one thing you know, you, you'd want them to know about the team? We're not the cardiac kids for no reason. We're going to find a way to win games when it's when it means the most um to the fans just don't give up on us please because we're not giving up on y'all or anything and because we're going to keep fighting we're going to keep trying to win this thing and bring a great cup back to the city it's been too long it's been way overdue well uh 
I, I believe you're going to be uh, in Hamilton for the Great Cup regardless. Uh, the way you've been running uh, the football, you know, you have a shot at winning some individual awards. Uh, but maybe if you continue to run the football so well and that offensive line continues to block, uh, you know, all of the cardiac kids might be in Hamilton with you uh, and <clears> give <throat> you a chance to celebrate. Thank you for this, man. Continue uh, success on the field and continue to take care of that body because, man, yes. uh, the, the, the licks that you're both giving Giving out, uh, you know, and taking have been vicious, mm -hmm. but have been fun to watch as a football fan. Yes, sir. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. It really was a pleasure. I don't know about you, but I'm a believer. I was talking about a bunch of teams that might make it to the Great Cup. I've now talked to William Stanbeck. I might go throw some money on the Alouettes, uh, sprinkle a little something. Uh, if you are an Alouette fan and you want to maybe get your tickets now because they are going fast, based off of what you've heard of what you've seen on the field, quite frankly, throughout the balance of the season, ticketmaster.ca slash Cup. Tickets going fast. Get them now. Get your seats right now. That is my best impression of a salesman. Hopefully that you are sold. Hopefully you're sold on the games this week. As I mentioned, we got a doubleheader Friday, starting with BC and Hamilton. And then a doubleheader Saturday as well. Lots of football. And if you want to have a breakdown of all of those matchups or a rewind to what happened in week 13, CFL.ca is a place. Landry's five takeaways from week 13. Something you must read because he's given some love to maybe someone that I've been a little bit too hard on over the years, McLeod Bethel Thompson. So go to CFL.ca for that. And also at CFL on Twitter, on Instagram, you can find us on the Book of Faces or Meta, whatever we're calling Facebook right now. We're there and we're here for you in this very space, wherever you're listening to this podcast. So make sure to like, favorite, share and subscribe five stars only that's all we really want or are interested in but we're interested in what you want to hear let us know at cfl at donovan bennett who do you want to hear from what do you want to hear what do you like and what do you don't like keep us honest thanks for listening once again the waggle the official podcast of the canadian football league